Welcome to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun, and this is your host, Jasbeard. And today's guest is Serena Sabala. Serena is a co-founder of Whole Shift Wellness. She's a plant-based nutrition consultant, a yoga teacher, and a fitness trainer. In this episode, we talk about, you know, what are the common mistakes busy professionals make when wanting to improve um, the ideal nutrition plan for increased productivity and energy, debunking some food myths that often get in the way of your greatest health and well-being, and really how to increase your motivation and stick to your wellness and routine plan long term. So let's welcome Serena. Thank you so much for connecting. I was really looking forward to doing this. And uh, so for the people that don't know who Serena is, how would you introduce yourself? So I am a certified plant-based nutrition consultant, as well as a fitness trainer and yoga teacher. I'm also the co-founder of Whole Shift Wellness. It's a coaching company specialized in bespoke wellness programs for busy and time-pressed business owners. Myself and my husband have over 20 years of combined experience in various fields of the industry. And this has allowed us to create a proven methodology to shift you to your most fit, healthy, and confident self within one year. Wow, awesome. I mean, I was, I was going through, you know, your, your story and, and, you know, it's very interesting how you got into this, but obviously most people don't know that and probably perhaps listening to this. So take us a little bit of, tell us a little bit of your journey. You know, how did you come to this? Now, nobody gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to, I'm going to become a plant-based nutritionist consultant. I'm going to start this type of business. And so what's your story? Yeah. So it's a great question. And, um, I would say that the seed of health and wellness was planted in my consciousness at a very young age because when I was only eight years old, my dad, who was a brilliant entrepreneur and built a very successful business from the ground up in only a few years, even creating a job that didn't exist before his time, he unfortunately got really sick when I was eight. And I now realize that that was because he simply didn't have the tools to take care of himself and his well-being, whilst also juggling the responsibility of, of, of a fast-growing business and a young family and loads of employees. And I, this business was of a creative nature as well, which added extra strain. And so that caused him to, you know, to crash and crumble and get ill and lose everything that he had worked so hard to build for his entire life, with huge repercussions on my life as a young daughter. And so that's when I unconsciously became very present with how important our health and well-being truly is, and how it is the most fundamental pillar of our entire life, and every aspect of our life depends upon it. And there truly isn't enough money in the world to buy your health back once you've lost it. So from that time on, I became very, very curious um, in exploring all modalities to take the best possible care of yourself. And so I became very passionate about that. And in particular, nutrition was the area that interested me the most. Also due to many years of crash dieting as many girls do in their young teenage year that never works and never bring forth the right results. But I learned so much through all those experiences too. However, it wasn't until some years ago, in fact, it was the year 2012, uh, when I decided 
to make turn this passion into a career and a job and a means of living because I actually went to work when I was 18 into the fashion industry and I progressed quite well in the fashion industry and I had a pretty good steady job and a pretty set career and life and I always thought that health and wellness was my hobby but for whatever reason for a number of different reasons in fact the year 2012 marked a shift in that I decided that I wanted to pursue it and 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 see where it would lead me so that's when I went and certified as a yoga teacher and started actively teaching. And then I also got my certificate some years down the line in plant-based nutrition. And when I met my husband, um, you know, it was a perfect match because he's, he's also a personal trainer and therapeutic masseuse as well as a yoga teacher himself. So we realized that we had all the modalities at hand uh, to create the ultimate bespoke offering, essentially. So that's kind of a top line of my, of my journey and my experience. Sure. Very interested to know when you talked about your father, you know, that's the kind of point in your life, you you know, that kind of made you go into this. Wasn't there a point in time uh, where you as a family thought, okay, he needs to stop. Um, you know, he's kind of going in the, in the wrong direction. I mean, it's obviously um, a lot easier to tell someone when they are smoking a lot, drinking a lot, saying you've got to stop it. But if a person is hardworking and working long hours and not looking after their diet, that kind of goes under the, under the radar. Yes. How does that as a family was affecting you and, you know, you kind of, was there a point that you realized, okay, he needs to stop before it was too late? It was definitely too late by the time the family took a handle on the situation for a number of reasons. Like you rightly pointed out, uh, because he was, uh, the whole imbalance was disguising itself as hard work and being very dedicated to his craft. Uh, and my dad, particularly, he is very, very stubborn and very determined and, and was very driven. So I know for a fact that the family saw certain signs and certain flags earlier on and kind of raised them to him, but he lacked that kind of that level of self-awareness. And he did essentially, he made the mistake that most many professionals make, although his was probably to a little bit of a greater extent, which is he constantly postponed his health and well-being, thinking that what, what he was doing was to prioritize the most important things, the business, the family, making money, the success, acquiring as much wealth as possible. And probably in the back of his mind, thinking that his, his health and well-being, he could take care of at a later time when things would slow down or when things would be easier. And that time never came. And in fact, it got too late for him to even do anything about it. And, but, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is when it comes to these very driven individuals, sadly, in many circumstances, there isn't very much that those around them can do. They have to almost hit a wall in order for them to realize that they've pushed past their limitations. And that was my dad's circumstances. He, he wouldn't hear very much from those around them because he thought that he was doing what he needed to do to succeed. 
and nobody else, which was also another aggravating point, nobody else was doing in the family what he was doing. Nobody else was running the kind of business that he was running and doing the kind of job that he was doing. So he really had no frame of reference or nobody that he knew he could trust and go to and speak to and kind of bounce ideas off. So he, that's what made him even more isolated in thinking that he had it and that he, and that he was doing what he needed to do until it was a bit too late. Is he still around or is he not? Anymore? Yeah, yeah, my dad is around. He's never really fully recovered. The nature of his illness, which is mental illness, he's, he was diagnosed by bipolar disorder. He's very, very tricky and delicate. And bear in mind, my dad was diagnosed in the early 90s in, in Italy. So there was some knowledge of depression at the time. There was hardly any knowledge of bipolar depression. And nobody really knew what it was exactly and how to handle it and what the symptoms were, which also contributed to just a lack of awareness in how to handle it best, both from my dad's perspective and then those around him as well. You know, there's a lot of talk around now, you know, if you watch like something like BBC Apprentice or you look at the most of the entrepreneurs, and one of the first things you hear is they work 18 hours a day. They work hard and work hard equals meaning working long hours and getting the most out of it. And I remember listening to when I was first kind of getting into my kind of business and I was, I was here, you know, um, uh, there was a speech by Arnold Schwarzenegger and he said, you have 24 hours in the day, you sleep for six hours and the rest 18 hours you work, you go to your job, you come back, you do this, this is this. And to the point when I got really pumped and I thought, okay, that's the formula I'm going to follow because that's someone I look up to, that's someone what you don't tend to realize is I started doing that, started sleeping six hours, started doing exactly what he says. My body was not, it's not the same as his body. I don't have the same support. I don't have, you know, I don't do the same things he does. And I really struggled. And I, I was like, um, I don't know, I believe a lot of people might have this that I speak to is they probably have it as bad as I do. I don't know. It's one week I'm fully motivated. I'm working 18 hours, no problem. Then the following two weeks, I can't get myself up to do anything. And then it goes back up again. I have this up and down. And I personally believe my diet's okay. It's not great. It could be better, but it's okay. What's your view on that in terms of, you know, where they say, how do you draw that line and how do you balance, especially for busy professionals, for leaders, for, you know, entrepreneurs that want to get into it? So the most important thing, so first of all, well done for recognizing that you're not the same as Arnold Schwarzenegger and, do what, and doing what he did doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to achieve what he was able to achieve. I think there are some, uni- when it comes to health and well-being, there are some universal principles that apply to everybody, to humanity, uh, and things like eating fruits and vegetables and sleeping enough and all that kind of stuff apply to everybody to to different extents, but then there's you and you are different from anybody else. And your formula for success is going to be very unique and really quite different from anybody else's formula. So there are certain things where it is smart and, and worthwhile emulating others, but it's also really important to remember that you're not like anybody else in this world. There's only one of you and there's only one way of being balanced and healthy and fulfilled for you. And it's going to look very differently from Arnold Schwarzenegger or your cousin or your best friend who's doing this, that, and the other. So we always need to take into account our uniqueness and honor that because that's actually our strength. Once we honor it, 
but it's also our greatest weakness if we don't take it into consideration and constantly try and do what other people do to a T, you know? So yes, I am all for emulating formulas for success, but you only can take that so far because the real truth lies within you and you need to be in touch with yourself, with your mind, body, and spirit if you re- want to really be successful and not break down, <laughs> you know? And so what, what I say to our shifters is, and some of the most important work that we do, especially at the beginning of our journey together, is for them to become really present with what are the repercussions of them neglecting their health and well-being? What rests on that? How fundamental a pillar is not only in their personal lives, but in just as much, if not more so, in their business life. So it is really important to recognize and appreciate that your business, especially if you're the owner, the CEO, your business is a direct extension of you. You know, it's not separate from you. It stems from you. So if you're neglecting yourself, you are directly and completely neglecting the business at the same time because it comes from you. So the moment you become really present with this principle and you, and and sometimes we have to work at it because people get it rationally, but they don't feel it you know, emotionally. And until it clicks on an emotional level, you're not going to take the right steps. You're going to make excuses. You're going to postpone, et cetera, et cetera. Once you get it emotionally that, that you're taking care of yourself is not a, a bonus. It's not an extra. It's not a treat. It's not a plus for when there's extra time. It's the starting point of everything that you do. It needs to come before anything else. Because if that, if it just stop and think for a moment, what would happen if you had a breakdown and had, and had to stop working altogether for a week, a month, a year, five years, you know, it's, it would be catastrophic to the business. Not to mention, like you were saying, your productivity, what hap- imagine what, would it, what it would be like if you managed to achieve a routine that allowed you, instead of going from 18 hours weeks to two weeks where you can't get yourself into gear, to have a steady flow of consistent, say, eight to 10 hours days, maybe five times a week, but ongoingly without these massive peaks. You know, you oh would be able to achieve so much more and the quality of your life would improve so much that, it's really sometimes looking at what's at stake and, and what you would get out of it that helps us click this emotional gear in to start reshifting and rejuggling our priorities. What's, what's the most kind of common cases you get with people? Um, or is there a common theme among you know, people you work with that the same thing comes over and over again? And then how do you kind of create this ideal nutrition plan for them to have, you know, increase their productivity and energy? There's a number of very, very common mistakes. First and most common mistake is that they come to us knowing that things are not good when it comes to their health and well-being, and there's plenty of room for improvement. However, up until that point, they've never actually done anything about it. So they just sit with this knowledge and with with this realization that they're not taking the best possible care of themselves. 
but they're never doing anything about it. They always postpone and generally stems from the fact that they think that it takes a massive upheaval of their lives in order for it to change. So they look at this massive mountain, which is improving the health and well-being. They look at it as if it was this huge mountain that they need to climb, but they never actually take one step towards starting the climb because it looks too overwhelming. It looks like too much. And they literally like, they, because their lives are so intricate and they have so much going on and so many responsibilities and they perceive themselves as simply not having enough time in the day. They don't even do anything, not even the bare minimum. You know, they neglect it altogether. When actually some of the most effective work that we do, and this is what makes our methodology very different from a lot of what's out there is that we move gradually and progressively and we build the progress like a building block upon the successes achieved gradually and progressively on the journey. So uh, we, we make it as the least invasive possible and as effortless as it can be, obviously some level of effort is required. But we like to move gradually because we realize that most people tend to either do nothing or they have that kind of new year resolution spur of the moment where they decide that this is the year that they're going to get fit and they're going to change everything. They're going to change the diet, go to the gym five times a week, meditate two hours every day and all this kind of stuff all at once. But because they go from zero to 150, it's not sustainable. So they last a week and then they drop it. (laughs) Whereas the smart approach is, is a, a happy medium between nothing and too much. It's small, gradual, incremental improvements based upon the five steps that we've been able to aden- identify in our experience. And that's how you keep the motivation and then kind of stick to the plan. Exactly. It needs to, it, it needs to essentially, the way it works is, you go, we've identified these three pillars, right? Three pillars of well-being are focus, food, and fitness. So focus, full, and fitness. Focus, food, and fitness, right. So the ideal plan, first and foremost, has to allow you to make small incremental improvements across all three areas at the same time. Most people tend to neglect at least one of the three, if not two. For, imagine your well-being like a tripod, right? It's got three legs. What happens to this tripod if even just one of the three legs is weaker than the others? It'll fall. It will fall. And that's why even those who manage to achieve something, who manage to stick to the New Year resolution for a few months, they always feel a bit wobbly. They always feel like it only takes like one party or one holiday or one special occasion for it to all crumble down. And that's because one of the three pillars is weaker than the others. They haven't done this kind of comprehensive work on themselves. And by the way, what that looks like is, would be very different for you as it would be for me or anybody else. There isn't a set routine that works for everybody because everybody's different. But then, so once you've created this plan that allows you to strengthen all three legs of the tripod, all three pillars of well-being, the way you go about it is we have a five-steps-proven methodology that we apply to the three pillars. We take you to a point where this new routine becomes second nature. It's not a diet, it's not a plan, it's not a boot camp, it's not a resolution, it's what you do, you know? 
you get up and do this and then you in the middle of the day you do that and this is what you prefer to eat during the week and these are the treats that you go for at the weekend it becomes second nature to you only then do we reassess see where you're at if you're happy with it then that's it that's the maintenance part of the work if you feel like there's more that you can achieve then we rev the engine a little bit more and we go through the five steps again across the three pillars again until you achieve a new level, still that new level needs to become second nature. It needs to become the new you. And that's how we spark transformation instead of merely change. Because once you're transformed, there is no risk of you going back to the way you were doing things before. Right. And in terms of like, there's a, you know, a lot of um, uh, you know, myths out there, you should eat this, you shouldn't eat this. And this, this is what I find very interesting. In the recent years, there has been an increase of, you know, more veganism, more plant-based diet. Right. Now, this is what I don't understand. Now, going back a few hundred years, we were still eating meat. We will still have, I, I do agree with the bit that, you know, you should have more vegetables and fruit in your diet compared to the meat, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the ratio. Right. But having said that, you know, you have, let's say this group of people were eating meat and veg, and mm-hmm. this group of people were eating just veg. Mm-hmm. Now, these people eating a group of eating uh, you know, meat and veg, if you tell them that that's a healthy diet, they'll still live up to be 80s, 90s, possibly 100s. Mm. So isn't that more of a placebo rather than you know, plant-based diet being more kind of superior in terms of giving you more value, more energy, more productivity? Right. So the science is on plant-based nutrition is, is very clear if you really delve deep and research it and study it. Sadly, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Some of it stems from culture and some of it stems from the industry having inherent economical interests in the kind of news they highlight and spread. Now, the longest living populations in the world Uh, live in what is called the blue zones. There's actually a study out there called blue zones, right? And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but essentially what what that, and it's interesting, the study around the blue zones is very interesting because it's these little pockets of communities that are spread all over the world. So there isn't a geographical link because like one of the blue zones is the Loma Linda community in California, Another one is Sardinia, an island near Italy, which is Sardinia. Another one is rural China. There's one in Japan, one in Costa Rica. Another one in Japan. So they're like scattered all over the world, right? They aren't all in one place whereby you can say, oh, it's because they live there, their bodies are adapted to that kind of diet. Yeah. What the diet, the diet that the blue zone populations predominantly eat is a plant-based diet. Now, some of them consume fish maybe once a week, but they never consume animal products more than occasionally, right? So they get the bulk of their nutrition from from unprocessed plant-based foods. And they are the longest living population in the history of, of humanity, essentially. There's also a very powerful study revolving around plant-based nutrition, which is called the China Study, turned into a book by one of my greatest teachers, Dr. Colin Campbell. 
Now, the Chana study is the single most extensive nutrition studies ever conducted in the history of humanity. It took Dr. Campbell 40 years to come to the conclusions that he came to and to combine all this massive amount of data into one place. And the data is clear on the fact that a plant-based way of eating is superior to any other way of eating out there. Now, with that said, I do not advocate people go 100% plant-based at all costs. I think you can most definitely be very healthy whilst still occasionally eating animal products. I am not against that. I think there are probably healthier people out there who still consume a small amount of animal products, but mostly eat unprocessed food and very healthy organic food, then there are vegans. Because let's be clear, it is very easy these days to be very unhealthy, although you're vegan, because there's tons of vegan junk food available. There are tons of processed vegan options out there. So vegan doesn't equal healthy at all. Right. So this is where the distinction is fundamental between veganism and plant-based. Now, I am all for vegan junk food as an occasional treat. I have plenty of things that I love to eat every now and then, and it makes it easier to shift and transition because some of the foods kind of allow you to mimic that experience of having, say, cheese or burgers and stuff like that. However, if you rely heavily on processed vegan food, you're still not achieving your peak of health and well-being. You need to eat more plants. Do you have to completely eliminate animal products? You don't have to. You can find a balance that includes a minimal amount of animal products and still make massive improvements to your health and well-being if you eat more unprocessed plant-based foods. Does that mean that the ideal diet for humans has to have animal products in it, though? It doesn't. You don't have to have them. You can live, you can thrive on a purely plant-based diet, like I do, like my husband does, like my mother and my sister and many of my friends and tons of people out there. So it's important to understand that. Anything that humans need, you can get it from plants. Here's the thing I find a bit challenging and difficult. You know, I do understand and I have a lot of compassion for the way, you know, animals are treated and, you know, the way they are, um, you know, what's the best word for this? To uh, kill them. Exploited. For us to, yeah, produce, for us to eat, consume it. You know, you hear all of this and then you hear on the plant-based side, it's healthy, which is great. But then, then they say they, they're manipulating the way uh, the plants are raised. There's chemicals in it. The soil is not the same, so you're not getting the most nutrients out of it. So then my mind tells me to go for supplements. So is it, in your view, is that true? Is that you're still better off consuming vegetables, even if it's not, let's say, the best soil or the, the best way produced? Because there's a lot of that as well nowadays. It's all about how do we get more quickly rather than naturally, organically, and how do you all do all of that without breaking the bank? Yeah, so uh, that's a, you're raising a really, a really great point. And I'm not going to lie to you. The food chain is fundamentally disrupted, you know. So, yeah, even 
plants are not cultivated in the way they were cultivated years ago, where the soil was treated organically and we were just growing what we were eating. Bear in mind, though, the bulk of, of this disruption is caused by animal farming. And some of the reasons why we've had to force and manipulate the production of, say, for instance, grains and soy so badly is not so much to feed the humans, is to feed the enormous amount of farm animals that we raise for food, you know? So this is, we're not, we're not talking about the perfect diet. We're talking about doing the best with what you have available, right? And so bearing in mind that, yes, in an ideal world, we would have a patch of land behind our house and would grow organically the food that we need and only eat organic produce that's in season that we've raised and that has no extra additives and no, and no extra bits and bobs. Is that realistically feasible and possible? You know, not likely. So then with that said, you do the best with what you have. And I can assure you, and this is based on years of research and studies, that no matter how bad a plant-based food item may be, it's forever going to be better than an animal product. Because if you worry about the soil and the added additives onto vegetables, just think about what they do to farm animals in order to just keep them alive for as long as they need them alive and the level of manipulation that goes into industrial meat production before it lands on your plate, you know? So you're getting probably a hundredfold as many additives and chemicals because these animals are pumped full of antibiotics and medicines and there are many of them genetically modified and they live in terrible conditions and their hygiene goes out the window so if you put the two things on a scale if you put the worst possible plant food item against the worst possible animal food item i can tell you without the shadow of a doubt that you're better off eating plants because you're getting way less of the bad stuff and way more of the good stuff from them. Awesome. Wow. And I don't want to demonize, again, I want to reiterate this. I don't want to demonize animal products. Yeah. All, all I advocate is making the shift towards eating as much plants as possible. Possibly. And really kind of just piling your plate with that and having fun with it. Really have fun with it. Don't view it as a as a, as a sacrifice or don't view it as, you know, a diet. Just experiment, try there's so much goodness out there and enjoy it. Uh, and then every now and then, if you want to eat a steak or what have you, you know, it's not what you do occasionally that's going to make a huge impact on you or the world. It's what you do all day, every day, three times a day. So if you just make the shift in that direction, you'll feel so much better. Were you ever a meat eater? Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I was, I, I'm from Italy. I, I was raised eating everything <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, so i only shifted to plant-based eating in 2012 which no excuse me 2014 which is what like five years ago now yeah. six years ago so 
yeah, absolutely. I ate meat and I enjoyed it. And I was a rare steak type girl. And, you know, I seafood, everything under the sun I, I used to eat and love. So this is to say that if I can do it, <laughs> anybody can truly do it. And, um, and it's possible and it's doable if done the right way, if it's viewed as like a fun experiment rather than a sacrifice. What would be right now, what would be your favorite, you know, if before, had I asked you before 2014, you would have said a steak. What would be your favorite meal right now, plant-based? Uh, I love so there's a, there's a quite a few. So here, if I'm in London, uh, I love Mexican food, for an instance. Mexican food is very vegan friendly. Oaxaca is a very popular Mexican food chain in London, right? I don't know if you've ever been. Yeah. They have now a brilliant vegan menu. And I, I swear to you if, you, if you went to town with their vegan menu and you would have such a satisfying experience, you would not miss you would not miss the meat at all. You know, burritos and enchiladas and chips, salsa, guacamole and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I also, you know, I've discovered so many kinds of food. I, in fact, I eat a way more fun and varied diet now that I'm only on plants than I did before. But now some of my favorite food going back home is thankfully my mom is vegan as well. And she has created a whole bunch of traditional Italian dishes, but she's done the vegan version of them. So she makes a killer vegan lasagna and a whole bunch of other typical Italian dishes, but she's made, she's created the vegan version of it. And, and that's, it's amazing because I get the experience of the food that reminds me of home, um, but it's still fully plant-based. That, that was going to be one of my questions. You know, if you were, if someone's in London and they want to try out you know, vegan plant-based food or, you know, where would you recommend that one goes? Oaxaca is brilliant. Like I said, they have literally a, a, a whole menu. Wagamama have also developed uh, a very extensive full vegan menu, uh, which is also absolutely brilliant. They do, they do this uh, vegan chicken katsu curry and an amazing chocolate ice cream as well. So that's another brilliant place. Leon is brilliant for vegan, vegan food. Um, they do the Beyond Burger there. And if you haven't tried the Beyond Burger, I highly recommend it. It's a great, great meal to have because it's probably the best plant-based burger out there. And the Beyond Burger, you can find at Leon and you can find the Honest Burgers as well. And then if you want to have a, a full vegan experience, you can go to Mildred's in Soho which is all uh, vegan food. The entire menu is, I think they have like two options which are vegetarian, so they have cheese in it, but the rest is all, is all vegan food. And Mildred's is, is, first of all, the one in Soho is just a very cool place. Constantly packed, so expect a little bit of a wait, but there's such a nice vibe and buzz in there. And the food is mind-blowing. You know, I've taken plenty of non-vegan friends there without even telling them and literally didn't even cross their mind. Awesome. So, so what's next for you? What's next for Whole Shift Wellness? What are your next plans and when, where are you taking this ship? Well, we have two uh, big, the first next big upcoming project is my book, which is due out at the end of the year, which is called Make the Shift. 
and I delve deep into our proven methodology for busy professional to improve that, transform their health and well-being. So that is due out uh, by the end of 2019. And for anybody that wants to be the first to know about it when it comes out, if you go on our website, we've developed a really amazing tool, which we give for free just because we, it's literally so effective. And it's a scorecard questionnaire, which allows you to score your level of development across the three pillars of well-being and develops. And, and, and then you receive via email a personalized thorough PDF report with the areas with most room for improvement and some things that you can do to start making little improvements. So anybody that goes on our website can access the scorecard for free and it only takes five minutes to do. But also if you fill in the scorecard, you'll be the first to know you when the book is pre-launching. So you'll have access to the book uh, at a special rate before anybody else. That's, uh, that's the, the, the main one on the cards. And then we run um, luxury wellness retreats back in Sicily, where I'm from, every summer. So we're just uh, preparing to launch uh, our 2020 luxury wellness retreats in Sicily, which is one of my favorite things I do all year because it's an opportunity to reconnect back with my roots. And that's probably some of the best plant-based food you eat is the one in our retreats. I sound biased when I say this, but we have a Michelin star chef curating the menus and this incredible chef preparing them. So uh, we're getting ready to launch the 2020 experiences. Do you know how long the program is and how long do you go for and what do you do? On yeah, the retreats are a long weekend. So it's uh, four nights and five days from a Thursday to a Monday. Right. Uh, and this is very deliberate because, again, we go back to the fact that we mostly work with busy professionals who don't have a lot of time and don't want to take too much holidays to be able to, to take a break. And, and go on a much needed wellness experience so that they come back, can come back recharged. So we always keep them five days long, Thursday to Monday, so that it's literally just a long weekend. It doesn't eat into your holidays, but it's, I tell you now, is the single most effective thing you can do to make a shift towards your healthier self. Because something really powerful happens when we take you out of your day-to-day -day routine and we plug you into the ideal environment, but it's all, it's all out of what the brain is used to know. So the brain becomes really open to absorb improvements and changes. And we've seen people really like go through powerful transformations in just five days. Awesome. Um, where can people find you? What's the best way to connect with you on social media and uh, in other platforms? So the website is uh, um, wholeshiftwellness.com. That's W-H-O-L-E. And then shift is S-H-I-F-T wellness. And it's all one word, .com. And that's where you find the scorecard as well and info about the retreats. And then I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram, especially um, under the whole shift wellness tag. And I share, you know, daily tips around the three pillars, focus, food and fitness. Awesome. And you're now, you know, towards the end of the show. And uh, is there anything you'd like to say before we close off? Well, you know, it's been brilliant. And thank you for having me. Uh, really, really appreciate being on. And if I can leave anybody with one thought and one thought only is that taking care of yourself is really 
your greatest responsibility in life and should be your number one priority because that's the only way that you can truly be your best and give your best and be of greatest contribution to those around you and the world as a whole. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and uh, wish you the best of luck with your future projects (laughs) and products (laughs) um, and your company. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun. I hope you got some great value and insights from this episode. And if you're someone who wants to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur, then I have some great free resources for you. If you visit www.jazbearaurora.com, that's www.jazbearaurora.com, and drop me a line, I will send you an ebook and also a one-hour masterclass. And also, um, go and take the Escape the 95 survey, uh, which will help you understand where you are right now um, and where the gaps are in your knowledge to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur. And if you're a business and you need help growing or if you have any uh, issues that you'd like to discuss, then yeah, once again, visit the website and I'll be more than happy to help you. Thank you for listening.